Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given in the local listening area. Today's show features Doug Barry and his presentation at the Catholic Men's Fellowship Conference in April 2011. And now, Doug Barry. gentlemen. How you doing? All right, gentlemen, I appreciate the chance to be here with you all. This is a great honor. As was mentioned, I've been doing this work since 1992, and I come from Lincoln, Nebraska. Nebraska is not known for a whole lot. We have about 1.7 million people in the entire state. We have corn, we have cows, and we have college football. Go Big Red. Cornhuskers. I grew up in that life like a lot of people in Nebraska. They always said, if your blood is red, then you're a Cornhusker. So you're all Cornhuskers. But gentlemen, when I started Radix in 1992, I started it as a response. My wife and I were working with a high school youth group. I was teaching a 7th and 8th grade catechism class. And I was working at a Catholic high school as a groundskeeper slash maintenance man slash do whatever they need you to do because I had a construction background, jack of all trades. And in these areas I saw that a lot of young people knew little or nothing about their Catholic faith. And so I said to my wife, we need to start something. She says, well, what's on your mind? I said, I don't know. I felt like God was kind of kicking me saying, get out there and do something. Now I didn't grow up this way. I'm the poster child for a lukewarm Catholic. I don't have a dramatic story. I, you know, I, it's funny because I've been very blessed to speak at conferences throughout the years, and I've been to conferences where you've got Scott Hahn there, or Jeff Cavins, or Father Carapi, or a number of speakers who've had amazingly dramatic stories where they were these, 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 these individuals, like Scott Hahn will tell you how he felt it was his job to try to save people who were Catholic and get them out of the Catholic faith. I mean, you hear these stories, and you think, wow, what an amazing conversion. These guys were on the brink of spiritual destruction. They were involved in drugs and, and wildlife lifestyles and you name it. And then they converted. And the, and the places are packed because they've got great stories. They do. If I had a story half that powerful, this place would be packed. But I don't. But I am like most of you. I was born and raised Catholic. I was told this is what I should do. I am, I, I have this history. I should say, of what I call the clock-in, clock-out Catholic. You go to Mass, you walk in, you put your hand in the holy water font, you clock in. You leave Mass, you clock out. And that was the extent of my faith. Now, if you'd asked me, do you want to go to hell? I'd have said, no. You want to go to heaven? Sure. What's it take to get there? I don't know. That was where I was at. I knew I didn't want to go to hell. But I really didn't know what it took to try to get to heaven. And so I went through the motions, like a lot of you. We go through the motions. Some drift away. Some miss Mass once in a while. I missed Sunday Mass in my life probably about five or six times, and that was only because I was sick. So they were legitimate reasons. But I can honestly tell you, gentlemen, that when I was in the church at the holy sacrifice of the Mass, I was not there. I was one of those who thought, I see God more in the trees outside than I do here on the altar. 
I was not understanding what was in front of me, meaning my whole faith. And then, as was mentioned in the bio at the beginning here, an experience with the Blessed Mother. And what that means is nothing miraculous in the sense of a vision or anything like that, but I heard about Marian apparitions. Now, I'm going to talk more about that in the second talk, but it was hearing about Fatima, Portugal, when Our Lady appeared in 1917 to three children who were seven, nine, and ten years old, and the amazing event that took place there. When I learned about that, I was about 20 years old or so. I was dating a beautiful young woman who is now my wife of 21 years this month. We have been blessed to take part. Thank you. Yeah. She is an amazing woman, and we've been blessed to co-create with God seven children, two with our Lord, two miscarriages, and five that are running the earth. I don't mean running it as in in charge, but I mean they're running around the earth. I have a daughter who's almost 19, and then I have four boys who are 17 to 10. And, gentlemen, I can tell you that at the time that she and I dating, she was an outstanding woman. She really raised the bar for me, demanded much from me. But it was her influence and the influence of my, my mother, who is just an amazing woman, and my aunt, God rest her soul, these three ladies, combined with my heavenly mother, that turned me to start seeing things differently. Gentlemen, there's nobody on the face of the planet that affects a man more than a woman. Nothing. Nobody. For good or bad. The pornography industry, for example, on the bad side, is a $97 billion a year industry. That's the most recent number I've heard. $97 billion, B, billion. It is unbelievable what has happened to men when it comes to the woman. Go back to Adam and Eve, see what happened there. I'm not blaming Eve, because Adam was too weak. But Eve had a little to do with it. Go to one of the greatest men that we know of, King David. What happened to King David? Because of a woman. There's Bathsheba. She's bathing on a rooftop. King David is a man after God's own heart. King David has wives. King David's got it all. But he sees Bathsheba. Now she's married to someone else. She does not belong to David. But David wants her. First bit of advice to a woman, don't bathe in an open rooftop like that. Aside from that though, David calls for Bathsheba to come to him and they share in sexual relations and a child is conceived and David realizes this is adulterous, I shouldn't have done this. Oh, I know what I'll do, I'll cover it up. So when her husband comes back from battle, he says to him, who's a faithful officer to David, I want you to go spend time with your wife, go spend time at home. But the officer of this man does not do this. He goes and he sleeps in the doorway. He says, you know, my men can't do this. They can't go. I'm going to be faithful and loyal to my men, so I'm going to go sleep in the doorway. So he doesn't have relations with his wife. So David's kind of out on this one. What do I do? Long story short, David has his, this officer, a loyal officer of his, put in a position of battle in the middle of a war and then tells the others to pull back and leaves him there, and he's killed. So David is involved in both adultery and murder, and some of this is primarily because of the inspiration that he gave into due to a woman. Now, on the good side, you all know how women can inspire us to take care of things around the house. Sometimes that can, inspiration can be gentle and loving, and sometimes it can be a little forceful. But you know that there are things that we would be perfectly fine not doing, except our wife really wants it done. 
And as a man, my job is to die to self and honor her. It's not a big deal. I'll do it. So, a man, a woman, the inspiration. It was the Blessed Mother's inspiration, my now wife's inspiration, my mother and my aunt, that prompted me to look at my faith differently and start turning things around. From that journey, I come to where I'm at now and am still journeying on. Gentlemen, I was not raised by a man who knew the Catholic faith. My father, God rest his soul, he died 18 years ago. Massive heart attack. My father was an alcoholic. My father was a man who gave in to the vices of the world. Towards the end of his life, he said he had stopped going to church. He said he had stopped praying. He said he just gave up on God. My father did not ever sit down with me and say, Doug, this is how you lead your family to God. I didn't have that. My father never said, Doug, this is how you pray. I didn't have that. My father never said, Doug, this is how you fight the battles against impurity, the temptations to give in to lust or the impure images of the world. This is how you do he it. Didn't, he didn't do that. Do I hate him for this? No. My father didn't know. My father had no clue how to. And I'm betting most of you don't either. I'm betting most of us in this room have not been raised to know how to sit down and look at our sons or our daughters and say, this is what you need to do. I'm betting that most of us have probably never even heard that we should sit down and say, I need to tell you, son, I need to tell you, sweetheart, my little daughter, I need to tell you what is at stake. Because, gentlemen, most of us, I believe, don't fully grasp what is at stake. Events like this are growing. I've been in the, in the 20 years I've done public speaking and traveled around, thanks be to God, I've been I think 47 different states, five or six other countries. Thanks thank be to God, I, I now have the great honor of working with EWTN as a co-host on Life on the Rock with Father Mark Mary for three years now almost. And it's, it's a fantastic thing to see around the country and outside the country, but especially in America, men's conferences are starting to spring up more and more. And they're not always big, and I don't think that's an important thing anyway. Oh, the one in this place had 5,000 men. Whoa, we got to get there. This one had 20,000. That's incredible. You know, gentlemen, I've been to the ones that have had several thousand and the ones that have had a hundred. And you know what's most important, guys, is where our hearts are at in these conferences. I was in Pendleton, Oregon, about a month ago. Pendleton is a town that to get there, you've got to either ride a horse, take a prop plane, hike or have a four-wheel drive. I mean, it's one of these little towns out there. They had about 400 men at this conference. The population is 15,000. They had 400 men. And they had Cardinal Raymond Burke from Rome fly over for this conference because he wanted to let them know how incredibly important he felt this was. And the priest who sponsored it and put on the conference wrote a letter to him asking him, Your Eminence, would you please, if any way, God would provide the opportunity for you to come over here? And the Cardinal said yes. Why do I bring this up? Gentlemen, you and I are part of a movement that I firmly believe, with all my heart, is inspired primarily by Our Lady, Our Blessed Mother herself. I believe the Blessed Mother is, at this time in our lives, calling out and raising up 
an army of Catholic men like never seen before. I believe that. I've seen this groundswell. And you and I, we are part of this. And that is exciting. It's exciting because it is showing us that we are all part of something much bigger than ourselves. We'll return to Living Bread Radio Presents after a short break. Support for the local programming that you hear on Living Bread Radio is brought to you through the generosity of our listeners. To help support the mission of the Living Bread Radio Network and all of our local programming, call us at 888-966-2903 and make a pledge today. We are 100% listener supported. Call today, 888-966-2903 or use our safe and secure website at livingbreadradio.com. And now the conclusion of today's production of Living Bread Radio presents. Some of you were here because you're on fire for the faith. You came here, I'm ready to pour my heart into this, benefit from this, grow from this. I'm ready to go, baby, bring it on. And some of you were here because someone said, hey, Jim, Mike, Bill, come on, let's go. I'll buy you dinner if you go. Well, okay, I'll go. Or you're here because your wife said, please go or I won't feed you for a month. But for whatever reason, you are here, you are here. I am here. We are part of this. Now, a couple things about us men, as we've heard already today, and we'll hear throughout the day. Men, we are fighters. We're protectors by nature. I will say this. I sit here upstairs. My, my table is right under the number eight on the left side of the wall there. I hope you come and visit it later because I have a variety of materials that I hope will help promote, as there's a lot of great stuff up there, by the way. I have a variety of materials. I have some CDs, I have some DVDs. They're five and $10, and that's it. I hope you'll come and take a look and buy them all. Two reasons. One, because I believe the materials are good, and you can use them to help benefit yourselves and pass them on to others who you couldn't drag here. And you know there are men you couldn't get to come. You know you've got brothers and friends falling away from the faith somewhere in the country, and you're thinking, man, I'd really like to help them. I don't know how buy him a CD or a DVD from my table or one of the others up here and send it to him with a letter that says, the times are serious, watch this, listen to this, get on board, get in the fight, the time is now, be part of this army. Or maybe not so dramatic, hey, I thought you might like this. But do it! Gentlemen, we're doers. Men do things. Why do, why do the man climb the mountain? Because it was there. And when he got tired of climbing it, what did he do? He blew a hole through it, laid train tracks, and started driving product from one side to the other. Then the man figured out how to communicate and get a telephone line across the country. Then a man decided, you know what, let's, 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 let's fly. It was Orville and Wilbur, not Susan and Barbara. And that's nothing against the ladies. I in no way criticize the ladies. Remember, the women are the ones that inspire men to do good or bad. The women are there for, for a complementary purpose of a man. We're supposed to work together, join together, not butt heads. God created us different for a reason, equal in dignity, but different in our roles and different in our inspiration and different in the things that we're driven in our passions, the things to do. 
The deacon mentioned earlier about the images that are portrayed by men, out there about men these days and how it's destroying so much of it. You bet. Women's lib out there has undermined us left and right, and we have allowed it to happen in many respects. But enough, enough. Let's change it. Let's change it yesterday, not even today. Let's do it yesterday. Let's get busy with this. Men do things, though. Men go to the moon. Men walk on the moon. Men are now, let's talk about Mars. You know, men, men do things like, you know, we swim the English Channel. We got tired of sailing it and flying over it, so what did they do next? They chunneled under it. You all know about the chunnel. It's a tunnel under the English Channel. Men did that. Men sat around and said, how can we get under this body of water? And some guy said, you're crazy. I like that challenge. You think I'm crazy. Let's make it happen. You ever hear Project Moses? Project Moses is an organization out there right now, started by a man in Kansas City, wealthy man, a man who has means, financial means. Gentlemen, some of you have financial means, but maybe not great talent or, or great time, but you can connect with people do, who do have time or talent, as was mentioned earlier by the Right to Life gentleman up here. We have got to work together, time, treasure, talent. And you know what? Some of you have financial means, maybe. Well, this gentleman down in Kansas City had the means, and he wanted to do something. He got tired of hearing that the ACLU and all the other organizations out there, all the liberals, all those out there who don't like religion, wanted to take all of the images of religion, especially the Ten Commandments, out of public view. And so he started an organization called Project Moses. And what Project Moses does is they put monuments that are very large, very heavy stone monuments with the Ten Commandments on one side and the Beatitudes on the other. And they put these all over the country. They're putting them up in front of churches, in front of schools. And I know the gentleman in Omaha, Nebraska, who runs this organization, this man in Kansas City, hired Joe Worthing. Joe Worthing and I talked about this uh, many times. And Joe says, you know, Doug, I've given hundreds of talks on this. On, on the importance of the law of God being written in our hearts and these monuments and what they can do. And you know what? We have over 450, and this was over a year ago, so they're up, that number's gone up. But at the time, over 450 monuments, these big ones placed all over the country, and they're growing. He said, do you know how many of those monuments were spearheaded, organized, and put in place by women? Two. The rest were men. Men saw the need, and men said, let's do it. Men put barns up on a Saturday afternoon and then have beer Saturday night. Men come together and say, you know what, we can plow this field, plant this crop, we can build this barn, we can destroy that, tear that down, level that, raise that. Men do. But in one area, men, we have not done. It's preserve our faith. We have a divorce rate in our country that is between 60 and in some places 70%. I just flew in from New Mexico yesterday. I was down there giving a presentation, did a confirmation retreat, and talked to some, some, the parents and the confirmandi, and then also the passion meditation. I do a one-man drama on the passion of Christ. Been doing it for 20 years. And we did it down there on Thursday, my, my friend and I, and then I flew up here. And down there in their area, the divorce rate is nearing 75%. What will it take for us to cry out. I mean cry out. I had an old knight of Columbus. Guy was 180 some years old. Guy was great. Came up to me a few years ago and he said, hey Doug, you want to know why abortion is where it's at? Contraception, divorce, pornography. You want to know why all this is where it's at in our world? I said, why? He said it all started back contraception, of course, but when Roe v. Wade in 1973 happened, he said, we Catholic men did not cry out. 
And by crying out, what does that mean? Do we rush the state capitol like they did in Wisconsin and have a big sit-in? No. Maybe, maybe that time will come. Does it mean standing in front of abortion mills? Yes, as was mentioned a little bit ago. That's part of it. That's crying out. But the one area that each and every one of us can cry out in is if you are a husband and father, we must cry out right there, starting right there in that family. That is absolutely essential and without doubt the first and primary place we men must cry out in our families. If you're a grandfather and you think, well, my time has passed, I've got kids and grandkids, but you know, what, what do I, no, no, now, you're a grandfather. There's a great story of a grandfather I know. This man has, at the time, five kids and six grandkids at the time. He's retired. He doesn't have a lot of money, but he's got some time on his hands now. He doesn't just go off and play golf and travel in an RV and see the country. What he does do is he prays one rosary every day for each of his children and grandchildren. That's 11 rosaries a day at the time. He said, I sit there and I run those beads through my fingers. And I said, and you are a knight fighting that battle. But we will not do these things, gentlemen, unless we are inspired to understand what is truly at stake. Gentlemen, this crucifix is our inspiration. And the woman that stood at the bottom of this cross, our lady, our queen, is our inspiration. Yes. Our Lord and our lady. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? How do we dive into that a little bit? For those of you who are excited for your faith, this, you may think, oh God, I know this, this is great, and the others might be thinking, this is new. But no matter where we're at, gentlemen, it applies to every single one of us. We have been given the gift of life by God. He breathed his image and likeness into us. And as men, we are, as Catholic men, the most powerful men on the planet or the most dangerous men on the planet. Absolutely. And why is that? Because as a man, first and foremost, we're fighters, we're protectors, we're defenders. We are. We do think. We fight sometimes when we're bored. They say men fight just to pass time. You know, we have these jokes about men fighting. When you're a boy, what happens when my daughter, when she was little, picked up a stick? Her first instinct was not to swing it at somebody or jab at somebody. All of my boys, that's what they did. We know that about boys. When they're two years old, a stick, it's a gun, it's a sword, and the cat is a dragon. And they'll go after chasing that cat around the backyard. Jimmy's chasing the cat. There's mom. Jimmy's chasing the cat. And there's dad. Yeah, I wonder if he's going to catch it. <laughs> Men understand why, though. There's something in us that just wants to compete, wants to battle, wants to fight, wants to be challenged, wants to conquer. Now, there's one area that a lot of people are, are applying the faith to to try to help draw men into the faith. And that is the area of sports. I understand that. I don't buy it 100%. I'm not putting it down. I think it works. But I'm not buying it 100%. Because not every single one of us are into sports on the same level. That I realize. I have four boys, three of them, all fired up about sports. My fourth boy doesn't really care that much. But what thing all of them do, one thing they all do, is they, when they were little, they took their little Lego toys and their other little action figures, and they, you walk past their bedroom, and all you hear is... Anybody ever hear this in your home? 
No matter what, boys understand this idea of good against evil, this conflict, this issue here. Is that bad? No. When anybody says, well, you've got to take that out of young men because it's destructive. No, 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 no. It's destructive if it's, if it's poorly trained. But there's a reason why we're fighters. There's a reason why we understand that. Is there a man in this room right now that if there wasn't someone who broke into your house, would you not get in front of that enemy between them and your family? How many men worth their salt would lay there in bed and when your wife wakes up, honey, there's a strange noise in the house, what do we do? Uh, why don't you check it out, I'll call the police. Should be the other way around. Honey, you call the police, I'll check it out. And then we go check it out. There's a story of a man, he was in his 50s. Uh, 50 to 60 years old. Guy broke into his house. He had a teenage daughter, 17 years old. Guy broke into her room, was trying to sexually assault her. Middle of the night, the man hears something. He goes down the hall. He looks in. There's this guy in the room. The guy had a rope, a knife, and a condom. What did the dad do? He went at him. He got a hold of him. He got him in a headlock, pulled him to the ground, and just hung on. Called to his wife, call the police! And he didn't let go until the cops got there. And when they pulled the guy off, the intruder was dead. He had died of a heart attack. Would you have not done the same thing to protect your daughter, your wife, your son? Yes, we would. If there's a fire in my house, my kids know. You get out of the house, you go to a certain location. And I better find you there. If I don't find you there, I will go back in and try to find you. Would we not do that, men? Would we not lay our lives down for our families in a heartbeat if there was a fire or an intruder? That's what men do. Men are of that nature and that character. And what drives men to do that more than anything else is not some masculine macho thing. I don't care if you, you know, you're a big weightlifter, big martial artist, or whatever you are. I don't care if you're big or tall, little, short, skinny, strong, heavy, it doesn't matter. If you love, then you fight for what you love. Is that not true? Don't you love that statement, I'm a lover, not a fighter? Garbage. Garbage. Frank Sheed, famous, wonderful apologist, theologian, and, and author, Catholic man, said, God rest his soul, he's passed away, said, if you love, then you will fight for what you love. How many of us fight for those things that are disordered? My football, my hockey, my man cave. We fight to hang out with our buddies. We argue with our wives. We can do what we want because we love our hobbies. We love things about ourselves sometimes more than we love our family. So we will fight for things for ourselves sometimes more than our family. What do we love? Due to time constraints, today's talk will continue next week at the same time. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on Compact Disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.